Let's go to Genesis chapter 3. Genesis chapter 3. We don't have enough time to recap all we've covered over the last nine weeks in this chapter, but I want to remind you of where we are at in our text before we pick up where we left off. As this chapter opens, we see Satan coming on the scene here in the Garden of Eden, Eden casting doubt on the veracity of God's Word. He's lying to Eve as he tempts her to eat from the forbidden tree of the knowledge of good and evil. 1 Timothy 2.14 tells us she was deceived. Then after she gave in to his temptation, she ate, and then she gave to her husband who was with her. And while Adam wasn't deceived, he just rebelled, openly rebelled against God, took of the fruit, and he ate also. And the Bible said, The eyes of them both were opened. They knew that they were now naked. To cover their shame, they decided to sew fig leaves together, make some aprons for their covering, and the world's first works-based religion was started. The natural tendency in their religion was to try to hide themselves from God when He showed up. Isn't that interesting? Religion gets you nowhere. You know, the ones that are most angry with us this morning are not the lost people. It's the lost religious people. You know, God doesn't want us in a religion. He wants us in a relationship with Him. And so God, He comes to the garden after they had sinned. and All because He desired to restore fellowship with them. We're in the midst of seeing that played out in our text. God first called out to Adam asking, where art thou? Interesting, because God is all-knowing. Of course, God is not seeking for information. He is trying to get them to admit where they are at. And so he asked this question, knowing full well where they were, but God wants Adam to acknowledge where his sinful decisions have led him. And last time I covered why God called out to Adam and not to Eve, though she sinned first. And though she gave to her husband, God calls Adam to the forefront for accountability because God had designed Adam to be the head of his home. That is both pre-fall and post-fall. Satan exploited a breakdown in the family to his advantage, and Satan is still at work in that area today. But no matter what the culture of our day may say, we should always go with the Word of God and structure our homes according to how God has designed it. That's not going to be popular. You'll be considered old-fashioned, and I say, so what? Come to find out, old-fashioned isn't that bad. Just look at what's new in our world today. So we need to follow God's structure in our homes and our churches, and God is clear that His design is male headship. Genesis chapter 3, let's pick up where we left off. We'll read verses 9 through 13. And the Lord God called unto Adam and said unto him, Where art thou? And he said, I heard thy voice in the garden, and I was afraid, because I was naked, and I hid myself. And he said, Who told thee that thou wast naked? Hast thou eaten of the tree whereof I commanded thee that thou shouldest not eat? And the man said, The woman whom thou gavest to be with me, she gave me of the tree, and I did eat. And the Lord God said unto the woman, What is this thou hast done? 
The woman said, the serpent beguiled me, and I did eat. (laughs) Well, we've already covered verses 9 and 10. I want to remind you again, it is God who seeks us out. The idea that God is in hiding and that we have to go on this quest to find Him is contrary to what we see here in our text. It is God who comes to the sinner trying to draw them out in order that He may bring them unto Himself. And so it is the other way around in the Bible, but people have the idea that God is just too hard to find and, boy, He just doesn't care about me. No, 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 He's he's seeking for you. And sometimes you're just not answering the call. Sinners are the ones who are hiding from God. How do you know that? Because I drove into church this morning. I didn't have any traffic jams trying to get here. The world is not in a hurry to get to the house of God. People are running away from God, not to God. This is why Jesus said, I have come to seek and to save the lost. He came to seek you because... You're going to be in hiding in your sinful condition. Jesus said in John 18, 20, I spake openly to the world. I ever taught in the synagogue and in the temple whither the Jews always resort. And in secret have I said nothing. And so we're not a secret society this morning. We're not the Masons. I don't know who is and who isn't in there, but if you are, you ought to get out. We're not the JWs where we got to board up the windows. We're not the Mormons where we got to have a secret inner chamber within our tabernacle. Listen, what we do is not in secret. It's out there before the world. Anybody's welcome to come in here, check us out. Why? Because we have the Word of God and that's what we're preaching from. God has made it very clear that no man can come unto Him but through Christ. And aren't you glad salvation is a free gift because Christ has paid it all. God is ready to forgive all who will come to Him through Christ in simple faith. And those who will receive Him, God said, I will in no wise cast out. What a Savior. I've also touched on verse 11 in previous messages. We'll take just a moment here before we move on. God asked Adam, who told thee thou wast naked? And remember the answer is nobody had to tell him. His conscience has now been awakened to sin. He's a sinner and he knows it. Usually I don't have to convince a bar full of drunks that they're sinners. But the ones I have to convince that are sinners are the ones that come to church on Sunday morning. And of course we can't convince anybody. The Holy Spirit does that. But you understand what I'm saying. Who told thee? Nobody. He's awakened to sin. He knows he's guilty in God's sight. God asks a second question in verse 11. Hast thou eaten of the tree whereof I commanded thee that thou shouldest not eat? And again, God is not seeking for information for his benefit, but he is wanting Adam to admit his sinfulness. But as we'll see in the following verses, it can be hard for people many times to admit their sinfulness especially religious people, often have a difficult time admitting their faults before a holy God and the fact that they've rebelled against His Word. It's interesting how people in America think that our problem is political. The political problems in our country are merely a manifestation of our spiritual condition. 
As a nation, we've been unable to admit as of late that we are a sinful people. As a nation. With the recent mass shootings, our president has called for the 1994 ban on assault weapons to be reinstated, among other measures. Very concerning, in my opinion, would be to repeal immunity for gun manufacturers, meaning that they could be held liable for somebody else firing the weapon. That makes no sense to me. That's almost like if somebody got killed by a drunk driver, I could sue Chrysler. And the reason I don't like that is because of where it can lead. It was the church who taught that, and therefore they're the ones that went nuts and shot. So now we can sue the church. You see, sometimes these things sound good on the outside, but when you really start to break it down, it can lead to bigger problems. One, one measure would be to raise the age of purchase from 18 to 21, which is interesting because supposedly children can be trusted on making decisions about their gender at a very early age. But you can't be trusted to drink alcohol. You can't be trusted to purchase a weapon. You can't be trusted to join the military. You can't be trusted to get your driver's license. But yet all of a sudden, you know enough to change your gender. Did I get to preach last week? Because it's, okay, that's what it is. (laughs) You know, gun control is not the root problem. Baltimore and Chicago have some of the most strict gun control measures in the nation, and yet both cities are some of the most dangerous places to live. More people have been killed in Chicago alone than in the war on terror during that time span. Many more cities we can put in there. What's the root problem then? The problem is we are sinners. Why is it when I was a kid... People showed up to school with rifles in the back of their pickup truck window. Yeah, amen, brother. I mean, I parked, we had a sign parking, I parked next to Dink. Okay. Just let that sink. I grew up in the woods, okay? Dink. Big old man. I wouldn't mess with him because he's big, but I wouldn't mess with him because he had guns in his truck. But anyway, we didn't have the problems that we have now. I'm not saying it didn't happen. It did, but it wasn't quite on this scale. Now that guns have been banned from school, we see all these shootings. We're moving further away from God. We ate from the tree that God commanded us not to. But instead of recognizing this fact and our need to see a return to biblical holiness, we're trying to hide from God and we are failing to admit our spiritual demise and our need for God. We've lost sight of the holiness of God on a national level. It is pitiful in this day that I have to look at my son and say, you better think twice about joining our nation's military. What has happened to this nation that the Marine Corps would send out on Twitter a camouflage helmet with rainbow bullets on it, proud to serve? And you want me to shoot my arrow as a child into that mess? How sad. Now, he can do what he wants when he's grown. But in the meantime, I'll give him counsel and he'll do whatever he chooses. That's what I did. Y'all act like, oh, the preacher's kid's going to do what he wants to do. Yeah, and so did you. All right. We're not admitting that we are an unclean people. 
We've lost sight of why Adam and Eve are hiding and afraid in the first place. Hebrews 10.31 tells us it is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of a living God. And if this part of the gospel is never explained, then why would sinners ever see their need for a Savior? For sure, God is love. The Bible is clear on that. However, if all we ever emphasize is the love of God and the grace of God, then people lose sight of why they needed His love and grace in the first place. Why do we need God's love and His mercy and His grace? Because we are sinners. And as sinners, we deserve the wrath and just justice of a righteous, holy God. Jesus died that we might be saved from wrath through Him. What's the wrath? It's an eternity in hell. A devil's hell prepared for the devil and his angels. You say, then why would I go there if I reject Christ? Because you have cast your lot in with Satan just like they did. And we cannot bypass this fact. Modern theology seeks to bypass God's judgment by only preaching God's grace, which has led to the preaching and the belief that God wants you to have your best life now. Some of you got that. And when that doesn't pan out, God is rejected. Because if God really loved me, then all of these difficult circumstances wouldn't be happening to me. Because the white teeth, curly hair, blinky preacher told me I should have my best life now. All right, I'm getting snarky. Lord help me. And and what happens in essence is God is reduced to nothing more than a lucky rabbit's foot. But it didn't help the rabbit any. We must learn that God does not reign for our glory. God reigns for His glory. And what God is wanting from all of us this morning is an admittance of guilt. He wants us to admit that we are sinners by our own rebellious choices. Read Daniel's prayer in Daniel chapter 9 sometime. And you'll see what kind of prayers we should be offering up to God in our nation. Let me give you just two verses if I may. Daniel 9 verses 5 and 6. We have sinned and have committed iniquity, and have done wickedly, and have rebelled, even by departing from thy precepts and from thy judgments. Neither have we hearkened unto thy servants, the prophets, which spake in thy name to our kings, our princes, and our fathers, and to all the people of the land. But rather than fess up that we've departed from the living God, people want to pass the buck and shift the blame and responsibility. And that's what we see happening here in our text. Notice how Adam responds when God asked him, Hast thou, singular, eaten of the tree whereof I commanded thee that thou shouldest not eat? Now, one would think at this point Adam would know the game is up. The camouflage didn't work. God found them. He knew exactly where they were. They were not hiding from God very successfully. You would think Adam would figure out at this point, you know what? I might as well just fess up. But Adam's going to give it one more shot. 
And he's going to play the blame game. Look at Adam's response in verse 12. The man said, The woman whom thou gavest to be with me, she gave me of the tree and I did eat. (laughs) Well, God, he then condescends to their level. And he turns to Eve in verse 13. What is this that thou hast done? A woman said, The serpent beguiled me, and I did eat. And so we find that there is an unwillingness to take responsibility for their personal actions. (laughs) If you ever raise kids, (laughs) this is our human carnal nature. We see it manifested early in life. I don't know if my dad will remember this, I'm sure he's watching. But when I was a child, I loved, still do, Nestle chocolate, chocolate, Nestle quick chocolate powder. I don't even need the milk, you with me? <laughs> to the point where you accidentally inhale it and you cough it all out, you know. I mean, I love this stuff. I know it shows. I used to eat it by the spoon. And, and my dad, he told me, don't do that. But I just could not resist that sweet chocolate powder. So one morning I happened to be up before anyone else, which was very rare. So I went to the kitchen and I enjoyed that chocolate goodness. And I knew it was wrong. What I did not know in the moment of my gluttony was I was leaving behind a chocolate ring around my lips. And that would easily give me away. Because I'm not going to clean up, right? I'm like this big. Well, when my, when my dad came to me, or I came, I can't remember how we met that morning, he saw me and asked if I had been eating the Nestle powder. And I said, no, sir. <laughs> I knew enough to say, sir. He asked, and what's that stuff around your mouth? Have you been eating dirt? And I said, yes, sir. <laughs> now, I don't know if you made me go out there and eat dirt, but my first, my first action was not to take responsibility. I don't have to tell you how it ended. It probably involved getting a switch off of one of the trees in the yard. Yeah. You know, a lot of, a lot of parents would be charged with child abuse today. That's how they kept us in line. Amen. All right. We all understand the difficulty of admitting our sinfulness against God because we all have tried to lie our way out of a situation or we have all tried to blame someone else in our life. You see, it really wasn't my fault. What had happened was God asked Adam, Hast thou eaten of the tree whereof I commanded thee? that thou shouldest not eat, his first sinful instinct is to pass the blame. You see, God, what had happened was, you gave me this woman. She gave me, and the only reason I ate was because she gave it. And can I remind you, God, you're the one who gave me her. God then turns to her and she says, The serpent beguiled me and I did eat. Technically, they're all telling the truth. 
you catch that? <laughs> God did give the woman to Adam. She did, is the one who gave unto Adam, and the serpent did beguile Eve. But they're trying to frame it all in a way that suggests none of this was their fault. Adam charges God foolishly, essentially insinuating that God was part of the problem. She blames Satan. Matthew Henry wrote, quote, Well, this is all the prisoners at the bar have to say why sentence should not be passed and execution awarded according to the law. And this, is all, and this all is next to nothing, in some respects, worse than nothing. End quote. Matthew Henry saying, there's times when you're just better off not even to say anything. <laughs> Notice how Adam tries to justify his sin by blaming his circumstances and playing the victim. I'm not responsible for my sin because of who you caused me to live with. I only took because of the hand that you dealt me. And this concealment is still within the human heart because we all inherited Adam's sin nature. People do not want to assume People do not want to take responsibility for their sin. People try to say, God made me this way. I didn't want to be this gender. I didn't ask for my parents. I didn't ask for my siblings. It's the wife you gave me. It's the husband that you gave me. People would much rather be a victim than for them to be found at fault. And even though Adam was to be the head of his wife, and even though God calls him out for accountability, we see that the woman still had responsibility in this as well. She decides to go with the devil made me do it approach. Satan beguiled me. Or excuse me, the serpent beguiled me. She just cannot bring herself to admit that she has done wrong. Even though in verse 6, she lusted in her flesh, she lusted with her eyes, and she had the pride of life, she's the one who took of the fruit, she's the one who ate it, and she's the one who gave it. The devil did not make her do anything. One of our favorite memories from when Adrian was homeschooling our children was when Sydney had an assignment to do, but she did it all kinds of wrong. Now, she's not in here, so we can pick on her, amen? And they're moving soon anyway, so i got to get all my shots in. <laughs> so Adrian's homeschooling Sydney. She had an assignment to do. She did it wrong. And what was Sydney's excuse? Oh, I understood the directions. I just understood them wrong. I know, that's the, that's the problem. <laughs> Stubborn pride bound up in the heart of a child. She got it from her mother. <laughs> Isn't it amazing how we try to blame shift? Some of you are old enough to remember in 1978 when Dan White assassinated San Francisco Mayor George Moscone, I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing that right, and Supervisor Harvey Milk. 
Dan White's legal team argued that at the time of the murders, White was of a diminished capacity due to a depression brought on by a change of diet from consuming healthy foods to eating more sugary foods and drinks. It became known as the Twinkie defense. This is a true story. You can't make this up. Of course, now that term is used for an improbable legal defense, but we try to pass the blame. On May the 14th of this past month, an 18-year-old, Peyton Gendron, went to a Buffalo supermarket and opened fire, killing 10 people. Some of his relatives told the New York Post, quote, that the teen likely snapped because of his paranoia and isolation due to the pandemic, end quote. One of his relatives, 68-year-old Sandra Komaroff, is quoted in the New York Post as saying, I have no idea how he could have gotten caught up in this. I blame it on COVID. We see this kind of blame shifting all over the place. If my wife would have been this, I wouldn't have done that. If my husband was, wasn't so this, I wouldn't have done that. If my past wasn't so this, then I wouldn't have done that. I wouldn't be abusing this substance. If they wouldn't have done this, then I wouldn't have done that. If politics were better, if the economy was better, if it wasn't for poverty, if, it was a better, if there was a better educational system in place, if my boss were better, if my children were better, if my parents were better, if my family was better, if my upbringing would have been better, if my pastor were better, and if my church were better, and on and on we can go, listing all the excuses that people come up with because they are sinners and don't want to take responsibility for their actions. It's not my fault, it's their fault. Do you really think I would have done this? If you want to catch all, you can always blame climate change. I wish that was a joke. The latest is that mon monkeypox is now the result of climate change. You can find articles from everything from acne scars to a rise in violence is all because of climate change. I mean, if you want to give me an extra three and a half degrees Fahrenheit in the winter, I'll take it and not be mad. Okay. And, and you know, even though climate is, is supposedly such a mess, I still have no guilt driving an SUV. By the way, Al Gore told us in 2007 that by the summer of 2013, the, the Arctic would no longer have ice on it in the summer. And I just saw this week that the Arctic is now at a 30-year high. It's a fact. Expanded 77,000 square miles, the size of South Dakota. <laughs> As a weather guy, I just have to yeah. needle that in. <laughs> At some point, we just need to be honest with ourselves and honest with God and His Word. Stop trying to shift blame to everyone and everything. And we need to recognize we are the problem in our own life. So what we find with Adam and Eve is that their fellowship has, with God has been broken. They then got religious the buck was being passed, and there was even a reversal of God's creation hierarchy. And I'm running out of time to really develop that point, but they were to exercise dominion over creation, and instead, they're listening to a serpent. He was to be exercising headship in his home, and instead, he's being led by his wife. 
Now why is all of this so important? It's because you cannot be made right with God until you stop shifting blame and you recognize that you are the one who is not right with God. You cannot be saved until you are lost. You will not desire the good news until you know the bad. You will not desire the gospel until you realize the truth of your sinfulness. Without conviction of sin in your life and without an admittance that it was your willingness to sin against God, you will never truly be born again. It was for this cause God sent Christ, or excuse me, for this cause Christ sent the Holy Ghost. Why? To convict the world of sin. John 16, verses 8 and 9, And when He has come, speaking of the Holy Ghost, He will reprove the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment, of sin, because they believe not on Me. And so you have to be able to admit that Christ went to the cross, shed His precious blood, and died because of your sinfulness. Say, preacher, you're not going to build a church this way. I, this ain't my church. Whoop! We all need to hear these truths. And, and listen, you can shift blame all you want, but when all is said and done, God is going to personally hold you accountable for whether or not you accepted or rejected Christ. In John chapter 5, Jesus on the Sabbath day heals a man who could not make it to the pool. He had had an infirmity for 38 years. Remember that, that account there? And this, of course, infuriated the religious Jews when He decided to heal a man on the Sabbath. And then they got even more upset when Jesus made Himself equal with God, declaring His deity. <laughs> Long story short, Jesus said in John 5, 39 and 40, Search the Scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life, and they are they which testify Me. Then He said this in verse 40, And ye will not come to Me, that ye may have life. The Lord is the one who came to them. He came unto His own, and His own received Him not. They refused to come to Him. So Jesus lets them know, the problem is you. Ye will not come to Me, that ye might have life. Jesus is clear that it is your choice to reject Me. And I just want to emphasize this morning, the Lord is holding you personally responsible. He is holding you accountable for your unbelief. Ezekiel 18.20, The soul that sinneth, it shall die. The son shall not bear the iniquity of the father, neither shall the father bear the iniquity of the son. The righteousness of the righteous shall be upon him, and the wickedness of the wicked shall be upon him. Have you come to terms with your sinfulness before a holy God? Have you learned to blame yourself for your sins? Or are you still trying to shift blame around? Maybe blame the devil. James 1, 14 and 15, But every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. Then when lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin, and sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. Have you even admitted that you're a sinner this morning? 1 John 1, 1.8, if we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. 1 John 
chapter 1, verse 10. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. The first step to reconciliation with God is admitting you have sinned against him. Remember the prodigal son when he finally admitted his sin. Luke 15, 17 through 19, And when he came to himself, he said, How many hired servants of my father's have bread enough to spare, and I perish with hunger? I will arise and go to my father and will say unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before thee, and am no more worthy to be called thy son. Make me as one of thy hired servants. That's the first step. What was the response of the father? While he saw his son, yet a great way off, he had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. And he said, bring forth the best robe, put it on him, put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet. Bring hither the fatted calf and kill it and let us eat and be merry. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to be merry. If you're lost and without Christ and still playing the blame game, it's time to stop. Admit that you're a sinner. Run to the Father who will receive you with open arms. Even if you are in Christ, you can still be guilty of trying to pass the buck. And you need to stop blaming everyone but you. I had a problem early on in my military career, and it was my supervisor's fault until I got another supervisor. He made the exact same determination, Brother Long. But it was my supervisor's problem. And then, all of a sudden, I got a new assignment. They made the same assessment. At some point, we have to stop trying to play the blame game and just look ourselves in the mirror and acknowledge that, you know what, I am the problem. And if you're in Christ and you're trying to do that, it's time for you to get back in a right relationship with God and admit that it's your sinfulness. The verse in between the two I read in 1 John, 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And so as I close today, can you see yourself in this text? Maybe you're trying to hide from God. Maybe you're trying to camouflage your sinfulness by your own works. You look good this morning. Maybe you aren't coming clean about your sinfulness. Maybe you're trying to blame others and the devil. Uh, Listen, you're not fooling God. He knows where you're at. He knows where you are and what you are. But in His mercy and grace and love, He sent Christ to die on the cross for your sinfulness. And if you'll just believe and receive this truth, then you can have Christ's righteousness imputed to you. You can be clothed in the robes of His righteousness. And then you can stand before God without fear, having been justified and redeemed through His blood. Let's pray.